0: This name and all God's people said amen and amen. Come on and give God praise. You can be seated. I feel like telling you to high five your neighbor. I am so uh, fired up to be here with you. Uh, welcome to the last weekend of summer officially. I don't know if that's a good way to start any message, but fall is uh, with us soon. I just want to say thank you because, man, it, it, it could not It could not be our testimony as a church that across 15 communities today, we have campuses that are proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and throughout the world, we have global partners that are serving Christ, if it were not for uh, the unity of this family of faith, the prayers of this family, and also the generosity of our spiritual family. So I just wanna say thank you on all of those fronts. When you give, just know on the other side of your giving, lives are being changed and transformed forever. You know, I was talking to Pastor EJ, I don't know how many of you grew up like this, but I grew up in a home where every Sunday I saw my parents giving, and uh, when we would gather together in worship, They would put money into the offering plate, and uh, for us little kids, they might put a quarter in our hands so we would have something to give. Anybody have parents like that that did that with you, right? Well, now most of us are electronically giving, right? And so it's possible that our kids or our grandchildren never see us give. And so for me, for you, for many of us, we saw it with our eyes. We knew that they were giving of their first fruits, but I just want to give you this encouragement that if you are doing what you're trying to give or if your kids don't actively see you giving to the Lord, just sit them down and just share with them about the joy of generosity and share with them why you give. Because how many would love to see in your family a legacy of faith? How many want to see that? A (laughs) multi-generational legacy of faith. I want to give you one very special prayer request and then we're going to get right into God's word. Um, Many of you know about a year and a half, two years ago, we launched a new initiative called the Woodside Global 100. It's our vision that over the uh, the next season that God will allow us to be able to launch 100 young adults who will be uh, committed to the global mission field, who will serve the global church representing Woodside on Christ's behalf. Well, we're getting ready to send another young adult who's going to be launched out. Now, because of the sensitivity of what they're going to be doing, and I'll explain that in a second, I can't give all of their biographical details, but we're getting ready to launch out a young man who has decided, after much prayer, to commit his life to serving Afghans. And uh, he's going to be deployed to Central Asia in the week to come so that he can reach and serve and encourage the Afghan church that's there, as well as Afghan refugees. I'm asking for you to simply pray. Pray for the Woodside Global 100. Pray for this young man, even though you don't know his name, God does. And pray for the Afghan church. How many praise God? 20 years ago, we couldn't even refer to an Afghan church. Today, nearly twenty to 30,000 believers are there in that country shining the light of Jesus Christ. How many praise God for that testimony? And so I'm just going to ask you, pray with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those who have committed to serving you, young and old. Thank you for those who have said yes to your call. Lord, we do pray for the Afghan church. We pray that you would bless them, encourage them under difficult circumstances. May they know the outpouring of your spirit and grace in abundance. And Lord, for this young man who has committed his life to serving you, give him special protection and may his work bear much fruit for your kingdom and may we always be a sending church and a generous church so that we can fund the spread of the gospel until all have heard, until Christ return, in Jesus' name and all God's people said amen and amen. You know, as we talk about baptism, I, I'm, I'm fired up to hear that Um, there were several of those young people who said, hey, at four years old, I was ready to give my life to Jesus. You don't have to wait till you're 40 to give your life to Jesus. But I also want to share with you that in between services, I met with a really sweet couple. One is 89, the other is 87, and they wanted to talk to me about being baptized. Let me praise God for that as well. So I don't care where you're at, what station of life you're in, baptism is such a glorious expression Of God's goodness and grace. and That's what we're going to talk about today. Open up your Bibles. We're in uh, the book of Romans, what some have called the purest, clearest presentation of the gospel recorded in human history. Uh, We're calling this series Newish. The challenge of the series is to ask the question, have you been made new? Is there evidence of new life in you or are you kind of just newish? Have you been around the things of God but never fully surrendered your life to uh, God's uh, and his lordship in your life. Now, yesterday was a busy day for the Brooks family. Saturdays are busy, kids and activities. We had a wedding that we went to and it was beautiful. And by the time we got home, I was tired. My wife was tired. We put the kids to bed and we fell asleep with the TV on. Anybody ever do that, fall asleep with TV on? So I woke up this morning and one of those infomercials were on. And you know those infomercials where they got some product and they're trying to convince you to buy it and they use these before and after pictures to try to convince you that this product will change your life. And they got my attention for about five minutes, right? And how many of us have been sucked into these before and after pictures? How many guys in here either did or were tempted to join the hair club for men? Come on, don't be ashamed, tell the truth, right? They show a guy who's bald and the next scene he's swimming through the pool, He gets out of water. His hair is perfect. You guys know what I'm talking about. And ladies, unless you laugh too loud, how many ladies in here have been tempted to buy some dietary product or something that promised that in five days you'll lose 50 pounds? It ain't happening. Let me just tell you, over-deliver, over-promising, under-delivering. That's what happens with a lot of before and after pictures. But not with all of them. There are certain before and after pictures that are true to what they promise. And that's exactly what the book of Romans is. Paul continues over Over and over to tell us who we were before we met Christ, how we were justified by grace through the sacrifice of the one who paid the sin debt for you and me and rose from the dead with all power in his hand, and by trusting in him, how we can be made new. Paul anticipates a question that I think our generation is still asking. And here's the question Does Christ make a difference in a person's life? How many emphatically say yes? He does. Yes, he does make a difference in our lives. But Paul wants you to never forget who you were before Christ, how you came to Christ, and who you are now that you met Christ. Today, before we look at what he says to us about uh, our baptism and how our walk needs to match our baptism, I wanna remind you of some ground we covered. Go to chapter five, verse number 20. Chapter five, verse number 20 declares this. Now the law came in to increase The trespass. I'll read that again. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. My sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. Praise the Lord. Now, first part of the verse we got to deal with though, the before. Why would God want trespass or sin to increase? God clearly. Is against sin, so why would he want it to increase? Clearly, this is what the verse says. Paul says that the law was given to increase the trespass. It's precisely because the law reveals what is really in us. (coughs) The law of God is like a mirror. James describes it like that, the perfect law of God's word. Now, think about it. If you got a stain on your shirt and you look in the mirror, did the mirror cause the stain on the shirt? No, it didn't. The mirror just what? Reveal the stain that's on the shirt. The law of God is not what causes us to sin. But what the law of God does is exposes our true spiritual condition. When we look in the mirror of his word, we realize not only do we have stains, but we are totally dirty. And we need to be washed and we need to be cleansed with something that is greater than the water we have here on earth. And what did he wash us with? He washed us with the blood of Jesus. He washes us in that precious flow of our Savior, and he makes us clean. But the law comes in to expose our neediness for God and to show us how desperately we need a Savior. Life has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Whether you run into not only your own failures and sins, but just the reality of a fallen world, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, The loss of a marriage. And the next thing you know, as strong as you think you are, you've run up against something that outstrips your own resources. Mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially. What do you do in those moments when earth cannot give you what you need? You look to something beyond earth. And that's where the second part of that verse comes in. His grace. Notice what he says. But where sin increased, grace did what? (coughs) abound all the more. This is not an equivocal statement, this is a superlative statement. What do I mean by that? He is not saying an equal amount, that where sin increases, grace increases equally. No, that's not what he said. He said that where sin increases, Grace increases all the more. One of the ways that I say this, and I, and I mean this, is there is nothing you can do on earth, no sin you can commit on earth that's greater than what he did on Calvary. How many praise God for that? That what he did in dying for our sins, not only paid my sin debt, it was sufficient for me, but it's also sufficient for all of our sins and the sins of of the entire world. That's how powerful his grace is. And it's available to all of us. In every situation, in every difficulty, God, our Father, is extending to us a cup of grace. And the only question is, will you receive it? Now, there's a problem with this verse though, and it's our fallen nature. What our fallen nature will tend to do is look at the verse like this and start doing the math. And saying, man, okay, well, if I sin and grace abounds more than my sin and grace is inexhaustible, which it is, then that means that I can just keep on sinning. Paul anticipates this question. He knows that in our human nature, we naturally look for loopholes. All of us are designed that way. As a matter of fact, how many of you are parents that are raising little attorneys in your home that look naturally for loopholes? I experience it all the time. Like uh, earlier this week, or maybe it was last, my my wife and I were getting pretty frustrated. One of our kids, who will remain nameless in order to protect the victims— had a had a dirty room, clothes everywhere, couldn't even see the floor anymore, wanted to go and do some activity. My response was, listen, if you want to go, you have to get all these clothes off the floor. Came back a few hours later, surprise, surprise, all the clothes were off the floor. The room looked great, right? And so... I'm thinking, that's motivation, one in dead column. You know, kids normally win, but this one was in the dead column, right? And so later on that night, my wife goes into another one of our kids' rooms, opens up the closet door, and what does she find? All the clothes from the other kids' room were now in the closet. I was blown away. I said, wait one second. I go to confront the other kid. I said, what in the world? I told you to clean your room. How did your clothes end up in your, uh, your uh, sister's room. The response was no, no, no. You didn't tell me to clean my room. You told me to get the clothes off the floor. You see the sin nature? That's the sin nature, right? All of us look for loopholes. Paul anticipates that because of verse number 20, we're going to look for a loophole. And here's the loophole, the question of, of humanity. Has grace freed us from sin or freed us to sin. Paul says this, verse number six, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Clearly, Paul, you just argued that when I sin, grace abounds all the more. So maybe I should just keep on sinning so that grace can keep on abounding. And this is the human mind. The human mind, the human nature often asks, maybe you've asked this yourself before, how close can I get to the edge and still be saved? How much sin can I commit and still be a child of God? Is that the way we're supposed to think? Paul responds in three ways, with a declaration, with a question and with an illustration. His declaration, by no means. Now the English translations are weak really when you compare it to the original language. Some of your translation says no, or mine says by no means. But in the Greek, what Paul says emphatically with bold cap letters, absolutely not. It is like he has this apostolic disdain even for the question. No, we are not saved by our good works, but we certainly are saved unto good works, In other words, we shouldn't be asking, how much sin can I commit and still be a Christian? We should be asking, not that I'm a Christian, how much good can I do? How much can I do to glorify and honor God? That's what grace has freed us to be able to do. And so Paul, looking at this, responds again with an apostolic pen, that is, Again, passionate, he says, absolutely not, emphatically not. No, as a Christian, you're not looking for ways to sin. You're not looking for ways to continue to disobey God, to not honor God. That's in your heart, then I would encourage you to ask yourself a a tough question, but one that needs to be asked, am I really a believer in Jesus? Because if you're really a believer in Jesus, doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but it will mean that sin grieves you and you won't want to continue on. Why? He goes on to say this, how can we who died to sin still live in it? That's the big point here. We died to sin. We died to sin. It is, it is dead to us. It's kind of like one of those Godfather movies where, you know, one of the family members in that mafia family. I know you've never seen The Godfather, but just listen to me, right? We're all too spiritual for movies like that. But one says to the other, one brother says to the other, you're dead to me. I never want to see you again. Never want to talk to you again. What are they saying? You're cut off. We have no more relationship. That's what Paul is saying. Our response needs to be to sin. You are dead to me. I no longer want to walk in sin. I'm dead to sin and alive in Jesus. He goes on to say verse number three, the illustration. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Now, one of the standard uh, principles of our church is that we uh, expect those who have come to faith in Christ, those who are new members to our church, to be baptized. Why? Because it seems as you read the New Testament, that was the assumption, the presupposition of the apostles as well. That when you came to Christ, you would be baptized. Some have described baptism as the first act of Christian obedience. The first act of faith. And what is baptism? Well, according to Paul, it's this symbol. It's a public decoration that represents something deeply magnificent and significant. What happened today, right before your eyes, was not just me dipping people in water in a pool or Pastor EJ dipping people in water in a pool, but what they were doing in that moment was declaring their allegiance to Christ And by doing so, they were being buried with him in baptism. They were literally dying to sin. They were declaring that they would no longer live according to the sinful man. When we are baptized and we are buried with him in his death to sin, we are renouncing our former lifestyle. We are renouncing our former way of living. Baptism is not just some cute symbolic event that we do with no significance. It is us saying, I no longer will live for my own pleasure, but I will live to honor Christ. How many want the world to know that? How many have made that decision? Two types of people in this room, those of you who have not made that decision, and some of you are even watching me right now, and I praise God, we have people who are watching all over the metro Detroit area, and and even all over the world. We were at a wedding yesterday, and uh, one of the dear people that were at the wedding said, my mom is in India, and she watches you every week for the last four months. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Amen? And so maybe you're watching, maybe you're in a room, and you've never Declare publicly that I denounce sin. I denounce selfishness. I denounce living in opposite ways of God's word. I denounce not honoring Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that you're perfect. But what it means is that you have a line of demarcation in your life where you have declared your allegiance to him. Now, baptism is a beautiful thing. It only happens once. It happens at the beginning of a believer's life, but it should be an act of the will and an act of faith. So for those of who were baptized as kids and it wasn't your choice, then maybe, Now, because of faith and trust in Christ, it'll be a good thing for you to do as an adult believer or as someone who uh, consciously, volitionally made a decision for Jesus Christ. But Paul says that the first half of baptism represents us being buried with Christ. And why was he buried? Because of sin. He died to sin. We too should declare our death the end of our relationship with sin. But he doesn't just say we died to sin. He also said we rose to new life. Look at verse, the rest of verse number four. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, here, my friends, is the Spirit's power alive in us. He says, listen, when you go down in the water, it represents a death, a death to sin. But when you come up from the water, it represents an empowerment to live a new life. It is not just me and the person being baptized that's in that water, but the Spirit of God is present there as well. Just like when we read uh, that Jesus' baptism, that when he came up out of the water, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove, there is something about baptism that the Spirit of God is confirming and affirming, and a person is transformed in their capacity. And how are they transformed in their capacity? Well, previously, they couldn't do anything but sin, but now they are free to live a new life. You have received the Spirit's power not have to be in sin anymore. He goes on to say this, for if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like this. Let me pause for just a moment and make sure that we never forget that that the gospel includes not only the death of Christ for our sins, but the resurrection of Christ for our salvation. And praise God that the the, the uh, sacrifice of Christ includes a resurrection. So often when I hear people describe the gospel, they describe it as Jesus died for our sins. And praise God, he did, but that's only a part of the gospel. The rest of the gospel is that he rose from the grave with all power in his hands. And praise God, because he lives, those of us who have put our faith in him, we shall live also. Also, how many thank God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You wanna know why believers have the courage to risk our lives, to go into places where there seems to be darkness? You wanna know what causes a young man to say, I'm gonna go where the gospel is needed? What causes us as believers to say, man, we want to serve in communities that are hurting and broken, even if it means us risking, risking our very lives? You know why we can do that? It's because we know that there's something beyond this life, that for us, death is not a period, it is only a comma. And if this life should end, praise God, because of the resurrection, there is eternal life to come in the believer, Jesus rose from the dead, and because he did, we live as well. Verse number six, Paul goes on to continue to explain the second half of baptism. We were buried with him in the water. We rose up, newness of life, resurrection power. He says, verse number six, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer, here it is, be enslaved to sin. For one who has uh, died has been set free from sin. Here's the good news, friends. This is, this is so amazing. I wish I had three more hours, but none of you could endure that. <laughs> but here's the amazing thing. What Paul says is this, is that justification does not simply bring forgiveness of sin. be one thing if the courtroom of heaven... Before which we all stand, looked at the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf and said, Because of that sacrifice, you are not guilty. How many praise God for that? That would be wonderful. That, 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 that is true concerning those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus. We are declared not guilty. Guilty of things that we did do, that we deserve to be penalized for. But Christ paid that penalty. And when we are baptized, we are entering into that sacrifice. We are entering into, with baptism, we are affirming that I am accepting that sacrifice. It's one thing to believe it in your heart, profess it with your mouth. It's another thing before many witnesses to be baptized because you are declaring that you are accepting that sacrifice. But here's the good news It's worth praising God over. Is not only are we declared forgiven, but he gives us freedom and favor as well. It's one thing for him to say you're not guilty; I'm not going to penalize you. It's another thing for him to call us friend, and dare I say, sons and daughters. But look at what he just said. He says we are no longer slaves to sin. Sin was a slave master forcing us to do what was not good for us spiritually. Paul's gonna talk about this in the next chapter. I don't wanna give away future scenes, but just know that Paul's gonna say, listen, there's good that I wanna do and I can't do it. And there's bad things that I don't wanna do that I keep on doing. We often would call that addiction. All of us know what it's like to be addicted to some sin. I don't know what it is for you, but all of us had a sin addiction where sin was like a slave master Forcing us to do stuff that over and over again we said, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm done with this. I'm not going to do it anymore. And then you do it again. But then the power of the Spirit comes through faith in the Son of God, in Jesus, and he gives us new life. And when we come up out of that water, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are sons and daughters of God, and we are free. How many praise God for freedom? Praise God for freedom. You know, in the African-American community, we have several days that we celebrate freedom, right? Right? Some of you have even heard of Juneteenth Day. That's when the last slaves in Galveston, Texas, heard the good news of of the Emancipation Proclamation that, hey, freedom has come, and there's a celebration to commemorate that now, even through all of these years. Why? Because freedom is a good thing. Freedom is a blessing. And when those folks came up out of the waters of baptism this morning, I felt like declaring and shouting, you are now free. Free for what? Free, since I'm free from sin, now I am free to good works. Now I can go and help. Running 5Ks and 10Ks and liberate women out of human trafficking. Now I can go into the mission field and take the gospel. Now I can serve in Pontiac with the dream centers and change the lives of young kids and families that are there. Now I can go and do all of these good works to my neighbors and my friends. I'm no longer bound to sin. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son, I'm a daughter free and I have his favor, his power. Why? Because verse number seven. One who has died has been set free from sin. You are buried with him in baptism and you arise to newness of life. Said two types of people in this room. One who have yet to do that my encouragement to you is that today you would do it. That you would track down either at our connect desk or you would type connect if you're watching online or that you would come to the front. And if you've never been baptized before your church family, that you would say, I want to be baptized. Pastor EJ mentioned earlier, this is a season of commitment, decision, commitment, right? And maybe today your next step in your spiritual journey is just to be baptized, Maybe you are 89 or 87 or maybe you're four. It doesn't make a difference. Wherever you're at, just to be able to declare, I'm dead to sin and I'm free. But the second group of people that are in here are those who have already done that. How many have already done it? How many have already done it? Praise God for your freedom. Come on, give God praise for your freedom. Now, what our job is is to go and do good works. Our job is to tell someone else of the love of Christ. Somebody who comes to you and says, man, I don't want to be like I am. I want to keep hurting my life or hurting the lives of the people around me. Somebody who says, man, the consequence of sin is devastating me, devastating my family. Tell them where the power is. The power is in the spirit of God. And if you are a believer, you continue in the pattern of sin, don't do it anymore. Exercise your rights as a believer in Jesus Christ. Know that you are free free to live for the King of kings and Lord of lords. How many praise God that our sins are many, but his mercy is more. How many praise God for that? Everybody stand all over this church. I'm gonna close us uh, in prayer. Our worship team is gonna come out, and as they do, I want you to think about what we just said. We're gonna celebrate God's goodness. I want you to think about what we just said, and if today is decision day, if you need to give your life to Christ, or uh, be baptized, let us know, so that we can help you take your next step in your journey. In Jesus, let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the salvation that is found in Christ alone. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we are dead to sin, rise in the newness of life, that we are made new. May we declare this good news of your love and grace to a watching and needy world. It's in Christ's mighty and matchless name we pray. And all of God's children said, Amen.